Ben Simmons. Let's be honest. There's 29 NBA teams, and then there's a G League roster with a few stars. They have a math problem offensively. Right in your podcast face. Man, you tell them to keep having fun because everybody, you know, y'all played in the league. Everybody be like, oh, it's just a regular season, just a regular season. You're right, but you got to play the games that's in front of you. With a group that works like they do, the group that embraces some of our mantras. We talk about getting better every day. We talk about playing together. When you do those things, you end up on a stage like this. For our city of Milwaukee, NBA champions. Yeah. It's big time. They have a math problem offensively. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. She wrote on the Athletic NBA show. I am not Dave Dufour. I'm Jared Weiss. Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> it's Dave Dufour with the hair on the top. It's, it's, it's freakish. <laughs> All right. Well, the freaks I'm talking to, it's uh, Bo DeKeel the last one you just heard. And the guy in the blank baseball cap is Seth Partno out in Milwaukee. Mo out in the L.A. area. And let's, let's talk about it. Because the Lakers are in a very interesting part of their journey as a franchise. I mean, I'm trying to be a little glass half full. So I know you guys are about to shit all over them. So uh, Frank Vogel is still the coach as of us recording this at noon on Thursday, January 20th. Mo, why is he still the coach? And what do you think is coming down the pike soon? I mean, he's getting fired at some point. It's just a matter of timing. Like whenever... so. Over the week, during the week, the Lakers get a big win over Utah, and they say that win saved Frank Vogel's job. And at that point, you're like, if one win really saves your job, the next loss probably going to cost you your <laughs> your job. And they blow a 15 point lead against Indiana. Uh, their next game, which was last night, we're obviously recording Thursday. It's it's just a disaster. So it's, you know, it's, you can just feel it when he's walking down the hallway. Somebody's just yelling, dead man walking. It's, I'm, I'm annoyed on just on his behalf. I think anytime it gets, we get start to get this blow by blow of a coach about to get fired. And it seems like the two places we kind of have this coming out of most are the Lakers and Kings. And that's not a group you want to be in. And it's just it's it's bush league. It's if you're gonna fire him, fire him. Don't we don't have to get this constant messaging of of you know everyone being on the same page about benching Westbrook and 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 on all that nonsense. Like if you're gonna do it, do it. I think it's stupid to do it, but you can't fire the players. And Rob Plink isn't gonna fire himself for sending uh, assembling a terrible roster. So it's gonna happen. Stop. You know. You know, as uh, as Morpheus says in uh, in the Matrix, stop trying to hit me and hit me. Right. And, and and the thing that's really annoying about it really is the guys who are evaluating him are the ones that put together this crap roster. Like, let's just be honest right there. When you when we get it, Russell Westbrook was LeBron James's call. OK, fine. You let Caruso walk, which would have been a, gu- a guard that you would want next to a guy like Russell Westbrook, who's not a good defender. You want to kind of shore that up. No, you went with THT because you thought, hey, he's going to have promise. He's going to take a leap this year because it's so, you know, something you can easily predict. And in fact, he hasn't. He's 
regressed. He's just, I don't think he's very good. And when you look at all those things, it's all the moves they've made after it. They've gotten a couple of hits, a couple of areas they haven't. It's, you know, and, and, and during the course of the year, we can't evaluate this team because we don't have Trevor Ariza and Kendrick Nunn. It's like, are you guys really, if those are the two key pieces, I can evaluate your team already. It's a shit team. You know, you're, you're in a bad situation. If those are the two key pieces that are going to make you be able to see this team, it's, it's, it's a garbage team in that sense. And, and, and it's shocking to say when you have LeBron and AD on the, that team, but it's just everything they put together. It's just rubbish. And the way they've kind of done everything, it's a disaster. And now they have no trade chips. Even if they were to trade Westbrook, it would be one of those trades where they would have to send out assets. They're not getting anything good back in return. And, you know, the, their biggest chip is THT, who I think a lot of the league is split on how good he is. So it's it's a problem for them. And, you know, sure, now we're just going to put it all on Frank Vogel's feet because, hey, we wanted a better defense. You should probably have better defensive players if you want shocking. better defense, right? Shocking. Like if your shocking best thought. if your best defenders are Avery Bradley and Trevor Ariza at this point in their career, like you're, you're you know, that's it's just it's just not going to work. I, you know, they 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 did okay with the, there's some like their minimum signings and stuff like that. But if you're if you're having to fill out, okay, well, we've got these these ten minimum spots, and we need to get four rotation players from them. Uh, you're already sort of behind the eight ball, and maybe that can work if you're building. You know, we got ten minimums, and we've got you know prime LeBron, prime Wade, prime Bosh. You got some margin for error if it's if it's late prime if we're generous LeBron and banged up AD and um, the other guy, uh, you you have kind of negative margin for error. And that's how it's played out. I mean, it's, this is the, 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 the annoying thing about this is just how predictable it is that it was, that it was going to go this way. It's like, they're going to suck. Vogel's going to take the blame. It's going to be a panic and, and, you know, a, giant mess and and who knows what's going to happen and it's played out that way and everyone's acting surprised right and then it's it's funny when it's a guy like all of a sudden kurt rambis's name shows up you know i had forgotten he was with the organization and all of a sudden you know this bastion of winning uh kurt rambis is is all of a sudden getting involved and showing up in coaches meetings going hey why aren't you playing deandre jordan more because deandre jordan sucks right now Plain and simple. He hasn't been good since he was with the Clippers. Like if we're, if we're just looking at honestly what he brings to the table and it's just, this is the kind of stuff where it's like, honestly, if they fire Frank Vogel, it shouldn't be any of the assistants to take over. It should either be Rambis or Palenka. You're the guys that put the team together. Clearly, you know how this team should play in your vision. So you should be the ones to coach this team. And if you don't get it done at the end of this season, you should be the one fired. And it starts with ownership. And that's where Jeannie Buss has got to step up. But, you know, that's the thing where I look at and I just watch this team and everything they've done really since they've won the championship is is tough. You know, like they have a championship roster. They tear it down, add a whole new bunch of pieces. I think they have a chance still to beat the Phoenix Suns if everybody was healthy. If, you know, a little bit of bad luck, fine, no problem. Instead of bringing everybody back and trying to run it back again or make a couple of minor changes, they blow the whole thing up. And now they're back themselves into a corner with no ability to change anything. I mean, they've really screwed the pooch in all of this. You you have the formula, which has been a good formula for every stop in his career. LeBron, one other star, defense and shooting. 
and you just go the completely the complete other way because you want another name. Yeah, I don't understand that. Um, yeah, I, the, the, there's some there's some strange voices that are that have too much influence here, and you know it's it's almost it's it's emblematic of how sports teams can put themselves in bad spots when they over-index on sort of team legends and nepotism rather than uh, proven competence and preparation for a job. Like, what what has Kurt Rambis done after his playing career that should lead you to believe that this is someone who is going to make winning basketball calls? I mean, his best run was being an assistant for Phil Jackson after his playing career. Like that—that's really all it is, and 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 all of this stuff with and, this. And my, that's a coaching tree with a lot of strong branches. Oh God, you know. But and and, and when you look at it, it's just like when you look at the, first off, the other problem with this team is they literally let LeBron make every decisions. You know, make the Westbrook thing was a big mistake, and everybody knew it in the moment, and. You know, we talk about how general managers, team presidents have to manage owners and things like that. You also have to manage the players. Palinka has to stay. If, if you're going to be good at the job, you have to say, hey, that's not the trade we want to make. And, and, and outline why and then just and then and then do it. But instead, you just said LeBron wants this. He gets whatever he wants. And now you have what is it like 50 something million sitting on your your books this year and next year? What, whatever his contract is, maybe it's forty five or forty seven, yeah, like like uh, mid high forties for next year, which is still just a giant anchor. That's, you're not going to be able to trade him, yeah, and you don't have any draft picks to add to the trade. You know, you're not going to trade your twenty twenty eight draft pick at this point uh, if you're the Lakers to to get rid of Russ. And it, it's just that's you got to manage your players as well and manage building your roster together. You know, and and I, I think they just put themselves in such a bad situation really this year. And I don't know how much better they get next year. You know, I mean, maybe it's a little bit easier with Russ being an expiring, but you just LeBron's put LeBron's not getting any younger. No, he's not. And we're seeing it. He's not driving to the rim as much. He's not, you know, it, it's he's sh- sitting outside shooting more and things like that. Like, it's just, you're, you're putting more on him in that sense. And I guess that's where you needed AD to step up. But you're depending on a guy that, for the most part, is relatively injury prone. And that's not his fault. He just gets hurt. Okay. But it's, it's, you've just kind of put yourself in a position where it's like, wow, these are the guys we're depend, depending on. And okay, but we can't evaluate the roster till Kendrick Nunn comes back. And that was, I mean, the AD getting hurt, you could, all, you could see that coming from the start of the year. I remember the first couple of weeks of the season, we talked about them putting a hard miles on AD. And it wasn't just like the minute load. He wasn't playing an exorbitant minute load. But when he was out there, he was having to do everything defensively and be like 1A offensively. And for a guy who, you know, has durability concerns, that's not what that's not where you want to be in October and November if you're looking towards May and June. It's you know, that's it's it's everything about this was so foreseeable and it's it's 
it, it, it that's what makes it frustrating that, it, that there's a shock that Frank Vogel wasn't able who who makes this roster anyway. We've we've talked enough about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just want to touch on yeah. this one thing. This is where coaching is unfair. The job as a coach yep. is unfair, right? Like everybody points to Laker fans go nuts after every game complaining about the rotations and things like that. The rotations ain't the problem. Sure, Austin Reeves playing more. Okay, whatever. You're still going to lose games. He's you, you you're you're not in a position really. To, to win those games. And it's just so easy to get rid of the coach and point to, right. well, he's the problem. I'll tell you right now, whoever you bring in ain't going to fix this right now. And, you know, and even the Austin Reeves thing, like it's it, it comes out after the game last night that that the front office was on board with benching Russ, which um, is either OK, go away or it's some like after the fact, yes, we're in charge here stuff. Um, and so, yeah, if you, you you can pretty easily identify that, like, that might be the way you want to go. But if you're not actually empowered to do that, if like, nope, we got to we got to we got to, you know, maintain his value. We got to save that relationship. We got to, And that's, you know, that's kind of natural, like give and take. But like that's not a the, the, the choice to play vets over, you know, Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves. I think I think it's fairly safe to say that that's not like a decision that 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 Vogel and the coaching staff is empowered to make unilaterally. Do you actually think that there's some feasibility to putting Rambus actually on the bench at an interim capacity this year if they were to fire Vogel? Oh God! Like that? What? That, you know what? This roster screams is a, is a roster that should run the triangle. <laughs> no it's just it's you know what i would say there, there isn't much of an advantage it's almost when i make that suggestion it's more it's more like a you know f you you, you broke you, it, you know you bought I mean? it yeah exactly like you it's 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 very difficult in a coaching situation like we heard bill parcells say this in football god i hope i got that right uh uh not his name but he's the one with the quote yeah. of like you want me to cook the dinner, but you won't let me buy the groceries. And I'm not saying Frank Vogel should be in charge, right? But we're just saying, like, they gave Frank Vogel these groceries, you know, and expected a, you know, five-course meal. But really, they just gave him, like, mozzarella sticks, chicken tenders, and and, 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 and spam. Right. And, 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 okay, make an amazing meal out of this. Like, this ain't Top Chef, man. He ain't going to be able to do that. Like, it's not, it's, it's, it's just not. This is Chopped so, All Stars. Where yeah. It, it, there's just so much team building that, like, there's so much just like when you build a roster together, you got to think of all these things. And when you're the front office, you got to think about how can we maneuver if this stuff doesn't work. They made all these moves thinking we're fine, you know? And, and, THT doesn't have the trade value. I think they think it does, you know, and, and, and packaging him with Kendrick Nunn and, you know, they, their name is attached to every available player. They have no feasible way to get such player. Cause those are the only guys who make who, who make any sort of money to go into a trade as matching salary. So that's the, more than anything else, not just the value of their players, just the mechanics of like, okay, he, he, like, Carmelo could probably actually help a, a contender as like a, you know, a shooter off the bench eighth man, but he's making the minimum. So what do you do with that? You can't you're not going to go get a get a frontline player because a frontline player who's making the minimum is probably on a rookie deal. And you're not trading a guy on a good rookie deal for, you know, 38 year Carmelo. No. And, and, and you know, the funny thing is Carmelo's probably been the most consistent Laker. He's effort wise. He's trying every time he's on the court. He's actually trying defensively, which shocks the hell out of me. But like, I'm, you know, he he may not make the right play, but he's trying in that sense. It's just 
it's frustrating because it's what Seth said. They had the roadmap. They had the blueprint for how to build this team. And they literally just teared it, tore it up. And, and, and we're going to go a different route. And, you know, they've put themselves in a bad position. But I think that's enough talk of uh, the uh, purple and gold team. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. All right, should we move on to uh, the Celtics then, since we got to find a team that seems like they're in the exact same situation with the same problems, and they are the rivals. So, uh, and I, for people who don't know me, I covered the Celtics for the Athletics, so I'll have plenty to say on this one. But they are a team that just continues to float up and down around 500. Jason Tatum is probably going to make the All-Star team, even though he's having a horrendous shooting season. But I guess that's just how All-Star teams work at this point. But the Celtics have a team full of non-shooters and there's a couple shooters who are getting increasing minutes and we haven't seen that yield too many big results yet though they did go on a nice little winning streak recently so uh, Seth we'll start with you do you see any positive momentum for the Celtics and then what do they do with the deadline they're this is uh, this is uh, they're they're short of a drink stir like Jason Tatum Jalen Brown are obviously very good like wing scores neither of them have really developed as a playmaker and you say they have non-shooters I don't I don't really think that's the case they have they have guys who can finish like like Aaron Neesmith on on like teammate created shots has been pretty efficient Grant Williams is shooting the crap out of the one now what will that will continue who knows like Robert Williams is one of the best lob threats in the NBA what they don't have is anything that can unlock these these kind of finisher type players because as creative as Brown and Tatum are on the ball, they're mostly creative for themselves. And then their one like most creative player is Dennis Schroeder, who's fine. Like he's not he's not a guy who's gonna unlock stuff. He's not he's gonna make some plays that are there, but he's not gonna necessarily um He's not gonna create it. Yeah, you're, you're, he's going to see it and it, oh, it's available. I can make that pass. He's not going to create that pass in the way that uh, Chris Paul would. And I granted, I just you know it's it's a whole different level of player. But that's what we're the difference we're talking about between the two. Sorry, Seth. I, no, that's, I think that's exactly right. So that's so. I mean, I, I think that that that's that's the, the issue there is that you think about it. They have like the the decline in the playmaking talent they have over the last couple of years, having lost. You know, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, maybe even go back a little further, Isaiah Thomas. Like that's, you know, at a certain point, you you keep kind of dropping down like that that ability. And now they just they just don't have enough of it on their roster. And it, it it's exposing kind of the the role playerness of their role players, which is I guess circular, but I think you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Somebody does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just kidding. No, Seth's uh, assessment's right on. Jared, you see it all the time 
you know, when you watch them, right? Like I've, I did a whole thread, like there's a big difference of when they're getting into their offense early and the ball's moving and the guys are, 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 are looking to make those extra passes. It looks so, it looks really good. And then there's the nights where it's just one-on-one and you're just dependent on Jalen having a big night or, or, or Jason having a big night and they can, and they can win you a game off of those nights. And, and, and it disguises those issues that Seth is talking about. But they just, they're a lot closer, I think, than people realize to being a very good team, you know, in, in my opinion, because they're just missing that piece. Like if they could have found a way to get Lonzo Ball uh, or, or, or even Ricky Rubio in the offseason last year, like those are the kind of guys, it doesn't have to be a high level guy like Chris Paul, but it's like those kinds of guys that would just move the ball. Uh, immediately without thinking would, would change this team's outlook massively. Yeah. It, it's, it was kind of surprising. They didn't get Lonzo because it really seemed like there was a lot of momentum of them landing Lonzo last year. And it's pretty obvious now he would be the exact guy that they need. And you know, this team is what's, what's funny actually is the one thing I disagree with Seth is that Tatum has actually made a lot of progress as a playmaker. He's doing a much better job of kind of controlling the dribble getting into the teeth of the defense and then finding, you know, the reads. And then he's throwing it to guys that are breaking their shots every single time. And this team has really bounced back and forth between nights where Tatum and Brown are playmaking really well. And everyone's just missing wide open shots or nights where the defense can't really, uh, or the defense shuts them down. And then the rest of the team is able to kind of step up, but they just never really get it at the same time. So I, I, well, I agree with that. I think you are, when we're talking about, you know, they, the the argument against kind of break up the Celtics is they have these two dominant wings. And the one thing, if you look at them, where they sort of fall short relative to the other like top level dominant offensive wings in the league is they're both just a little bit less efficient and not don't play make as much as those like, you know, you compare those guys to, you know, a Paul George or Jimmy Butler or you know, going higher like a LeBron, that's where like, yes, he's gotten better at that. But to be kind of the A1 alpha on a contention level team, he's he's kind of short of that bar as a playmaker. Because, I mean, yes, it's a high bar I'm setting, but we're talking about being like one of the four best teams in the league, which is the goal, right? And to, to have that, that needs to be just another level or two up even than, than, than where he is. Like he's, he's, he's a good but certainly sub elite playmaker and that's and i think that's the distinction we're drawing i mean just look at the growth demar Rosen has made as a playmaker when he was in san antonio i think that's kind of what you're hoping for uh from tatum over time and and you know it's it's i don't think it's a lot to ask for but it's hard you know and it's hard to develop and i think the other thing the celtics need to do a little bit better that's that's not related to those two guys or built team building they need to let the role players stretch their legs a little bit Right. It feels like they're very confined to a certain role. Right. Like I think um, somebody made the point somewhere in the millions of podcasts I listened to. So I apologize, you know, but like if they didn't trade Desmond Bain to uh, Memphis, would Desmond Bain be the player that he is now? And it's something I've we've we've talked about before on Nerder of like situation and stuff like matters. Would they have allowed Bain to grow, or would it just been go stand in the corner when you get the ball and you're open shoot it? It's 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 along those kinds of things that I think they need to start working that a little bit more, and it would make things a little easier for Tatum and 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 Brown in that in that environment. The only other guy that really gets to stretch his legs is Marcus Smart, and to be honest. 
I kind of want him to stretch less, you know, um, you know, and, 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 and let some of the other guys get going. So I think that's a, a, a important thing when you look at the Celtics. But it's been a, 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 a tough season for them. And it's the same team that they brought in last year. Everybody's upset that, you know, Yudoka, but it's this team. This was the same issues they had under Brad Stevens. I think I've got a, a, almost a perfect uh, comparison for that. Um, you know, I think we, we've all been sort of surprised at how Jared Allen has been able to expand his game this year. And I think he's an all-star. Um, I think I'm pretty well known as being a big Robert Williams supporter. I think Robert Williams is a guy who has has a lot more – his skill level is kind of a lot higher than it's allowed to show. Yeah, there's going to be some ugly things that happen if he gets to stretch more. But – Let's see it. Let's try it. Let's let's see how far that can go. Um, and, you know, maybe it turns out actually he can he can do these things. And then you end up with, you know, Jared Allen, who's still shooting 70 whatever percent from the floor while putting the ball on the floor, while making some plays for himself, not just being a dive and dunk guy. He's making high low entry passes. Robert Williams is a pretty good passer. Like, dude, let him do some more stuff. Let's see. Like, you're not like you're not winning the title this year. So let's see is, is a little bit where, where I'm in, in agreement with Mo. This is one of those things that people overlooked when the Spurs would do the load management of their guys with Tim, Tony, and, and Manu. It wasn't just to rest those guys. It was to let Pop see what the other guys could do. Let's give some of these guys bigger roles in a game and see how they handle that in those opportunities. Granted, it wasn't the main reason why they were doing it, but it was it was almost like a, a an added bonus of that. And let's and that's the stuff there. And I think I'm right. I'm right there with Seth. Like you got to let these guys expand their games. That's development. You can't just keep them all stifled in this box, and it can't just all fall on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's feet. Like they gotta have. You gotta have some of these other guys kind of get opportunities and 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 be able to figure it out. I think we've like last point on this. I think we've kind of seen the limits of the one guy or two guys create all the offense. Everyone else stand around and basically except for a little, like prime LeBron that basically hasn't worked at a high level. <laughs> it's like you get to a certain point and then, you know, the, the James Harden Rockets. Now we can argue whether they, they should have beat one of Golden State one of those years. Maybe, but it's still like, okay, guys got tired. Like the, your main guys get tired and everyone else isn't prepared to step up because they've been standing in the corner all year. And so I think this is like the, the, I talked about with uh, on, on my own podcast, I talked this with, with uh, Brad Rowland the other day about the Hawks, too. And now kind of they're so uh, reliant on Trey to do everything that the other guys don't get to like you're like Mo is saying, don't get to stretch as much. All right, we'll get to the Hawks in a second. But, yeah. you know, I actually I want to go back to what you were saying about Rob Williams, because there was probably the only good win that they've had in a while was they blew out Phoenix and. Rob Williams was mostly used as a passer from the high post in that game. And he was doing so much of the playmaking. And I wrote a story about it, asking Mayodoka about it a lot. He said it's something that they like and they're going to look into more. And it's only shown up a couple times since then. And, you know, a lot of it was the way the coverages were with Phoenix. Not every team is, you know, switching the same way that they are. But it was just surprising to see them kind of find gold and then not really dig it back up again. And this team, whenever they start to make progress, they eventually kind of default back to a lot of middle pick and roll and isolation and mismatch hunting with Brown and Tatum and Schroeder, who at least Schroeder has been red hot lately shooting the ball. And so his numbers have been pretty good as he's been starting for smart. Like, and, but the key there is, again, kind of like the other two, it's still a little bit his numbers have been good and not necessarily 
unlocking the rest of the guys. And I don't want to beat that dead horse anymore, but that's that's sort of that's that's where like from an offensive standpoint, the Celtics are really just falling short. I mean, we're going to beat a lot of the dead horses today. What are we doing this show? <laughs> yeah, no horses were harmed in the making of this because they were already dead. Oh. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, damn. Seth. I mean, I got much more. Than I got. Especially with that voice, this is like mm. a bad episode of Yellowstone. All of a sudden. <laughs> Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash MBA show 23 and get started. Speaking of horrible things, the Atlanta Hawks, they did beat the Wolves 134 to 122 on Wednesday. And Trey Young had 37 points and 14 dimes. He looked great in that game. But up until that point, he has not been looking good ever since he set out a game. And the team was on a 10 game home losing streak up until that point. So what do you think is going on with Trey Moe and What's going on with Atlanta? I don't know if I know necessarily what's going on with Trey, but I think just Atlanta itself has, this has been a very frustrating team after what they did in the conference finals and the way they've kind of approached this season. You know, we crushed Trey at the beginning of the season when he talked about the regular season seems boring to me after what we did last year, which is, hey, you got in a fluky situation, got to the conference finals. Like, that's great. Celebrate it. But you got to get back to work. You know, it's it's a stark difference between the way the Phoenix Suns had approached the, the season this year, where it's literally business-like mentality with the way they go about games. And, you know, it's that has kind of carried over and they haven't been able to get going. And I think there's a lot of frustration. You know, we've seen John Collins already spouting off. And, and, and he seems like he wants to be on the move here after signing his uh, uh, restricted deal. There's it, it just like a whole bunch of stuff where it's it's to me, they just have too many guys that want to do stuff. And the ball's just in one guy's hands the whole time. And, it, and, and it's like Seth was saying earlier, nobody else is allowed to stretch their legs. It's just all Trey Young. And to some extent, their, 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 their problems have been they've been really bad defensively and They've played, I believe, zero games with all of Capella, Akongwu, and Hunter available. So that's their three best defenders have played none games together. Um, and by the way, uh, how, how good does Akongwu, Akongwu look, look oh, now that he's gosh, back on the court? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, USC's own, by the way. Yeah, which is it's weird. Again, I, I, I said I had, I had Brad on my podcast earlier this week. And just the, the idea that like, they're just never – when Capella comes back, they're never going to try playing the two of them together. And I just – you got to get that guy in the court. You just got to. And they're going to they're gonna struggle to do that because um, Collins needs to play also. So anyway um, – yeah, no, it's it's 
the idea that they had accomplished something already when they have to do it all again. And it didn't seem like they were ready to do that. And they've, they, you know, they've had some bad luck this year um, in, in terms of those injuries, but it, they, it, it's maybe you have to almost preemptively change things up to keep it fresh and they basically changed nothing from last offseason. Like they're the big roster change is like Delon Wright, who's been good for them. He's actually injected some since he's gotten more playing time. He's he's injected some stuff to their team, but it was it was just kind of the same situation as last year, and it was a situation that was always sort of set up to have some some fractures, some fissures if things didn't go well because of like you said, the, the division of touches, Cam Reddish is up for a payday, uh, you know, going to be up for an extension and they already paid Kevin Herter and they're obviously committed to DeAndre Hunter. So there's that, there's that inherent tension and you're, you're kind of balanced on a knife edge and it kind of fell off one way. And it, it, it seems like it just, it's just spiraled from there. I mean, just to touch on your point about how bad they've been defensively, they have the second best offensive rating in the league right now. And the 28th defensive rating, like that's a massive gap right there. You're just not going to win games, you know, and they just went through a whole run. What was it like an entire month where they didn't win a home game? When they went they, almost two months without winning. I mean, they didn't, they didn't play that many, but they still like going two months without winning a home game for a team that thinks they're going to, that thought they were going to challenge for conference final spot is that's, you know, that's, that's how you take care of business. And they just weren't. And I think the big problem is, you know, uh, Travis Link went out and said it on, on on radio, local radio in Atlanta, saying, like, I brought everybody back and I shouldn't have, you know, and I think there was there was also an element of just having too many guys. You know, part of me is I still think like uh, Bogdanovich is underused. I think that's a guy they could put the ball in his hands a little bit. Maset just made a face. Maybe he well, he, like no, he's, I think he's been hurt and not great this year. But no, I think that was that's that's why you like they they gave him the big, you know, the big deal in, in restrictive free agency. You're not paying him 18 million dollars a year to go stand in the corner. You're paying right. him that because he can be he can be more than that. But aside from a bit at the end of last year when he like, you know, like scorched his own eyes out, he was shooting so well, like they haven't really used him as anything but an off-ball, take-a-shot guy. Just, 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 just another guy for Trey to play with. That's yeah. really kind of the way they used it. And it's, you know, when you look at that kind of attitude, it does, it does make it difficult for players to find a rhythm, feel comfortable, you know. And it, it goes back to the Celtic side of let guys stretch their legs there a little bit, and it's, it's challenging. You know, and I, I mean, six games under 500 right now, they're still not far out of the playing tournament. But even though I had lower expectations for them this season, I didn't think they'd be a playing team. I, I'm still a little caught off guard by how bad they've been. And it's some of it is just they're they're not figuring out how to work together again. You know, and it, it's beginning to look like, hey, they just caught lightning in a bottle last year and, and now it's all gone. And I, I don't know. You know, they're going to make some trades. They're going to make a few sounds like they're going to make a big swing here. But I don't know if that's really going to make a massive difference for this season. Remember how we were talking about the Hawks before they made the coaching change last year? If you don't, I think you just listened to the last, you know, five or ten minutes we just said. And I think it's basically the same thing we just said, which is, you know, after they they kind of switched coaches and they galvanized, got some wins and it all came together and they haven't had any, any like they haven't had that moment of of, OK, let's 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 do this thing now this year. And it's it has been had has looked a little bit like a bunch of people rowing in different directions. 
we'll, we'll see how they look when they bring Lloyd Pierce back after the fire. <laughs> but assuming, assuming that doesn't happen, you know, because well, Vogel, Frank Vogel might be available soon. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Uh, trade coaches. Let's get a coaches trade. I, I don't the hate, trade I, deadline. I, I don't hate that idea. <laughs> Can you use that to salary match with Russ? Yeah. Um, I mean, so this this is a team whose offense is driven significantly by a point guard. Trying to think of recent examples where that worked. I mean, you had like Harden and Chris Paul together that that worked pretty well or relatively, I guess, considering how far they were getting. Does Trey need another? Like, do they need to consolidate a lot of their good players and get another, you know, all star ish tier caliber playmaker to put next to Trey? Yes, but that's tough if if because he needs to be willing to play off the ball more. And, you know, and, and, you know, we haven't seen him paired with that type of player. So we don't know if he'd accept it or not. Like, I think that's sort of more probably more last year than this year because their 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 roster has been so weird. But that was one of the heartening things about when James Harden first got to the Nets last year was he was willing to kind of adjust his role to accommodate playing with these other other guys. Um, and so maybe if the Hawks acquire a guy of kind of all-star or all-star adjacent stature, a wing player, maybe maybe Trey will be will be amenable to kind of shifting his role a little bit. But I, I, I again, just we talked to, like talked about with the Celtics. I just I am very skeptical of ability to win at the highest level, like with with one guy being so dominant. And this, you know, this frankly applies to Dallas, too. Um, we, we I think we've had this this complaint about the Mavericks in the postseason where like, hey, Luca looks like he wears down and the Hawks have blown some fourth quarter leads this year. And I, you know, I think this is it's all sort of of a piece with with, as you're suggesting, needing that variety. I mean, it's it, it, it would help, but it's it comes down to Trey being willing to do that. Right. Like I know Seth loves loves when Trey dribbles down the court and pulls up from like 38 feet with like 19 seconds on the shot clock. It's his favorite shot in the game, folks. Don't don't get fooled by all this analytic stuff. You should see the text messages. He loves that shot. And, you know, it's it's frustrating, though, for everybody else. It's one of those things as a, as a teammate, you know, John Collins has even made comments about this, you know, where it's just like, that's the shot we get, you know, like there, there are other guys out there and, and young is in that second half of the season with McMillan, you know, when he took over young, did a better job of getting other guys involved and getting other guys touches, but it's, you know, he's, he's got that passing ability. It isn't, you know, it's just a willingness to do it. And I think that's the important thing. And the other thing is they got to get young off the ball. That's what I thought they were going to do with Bogdanovich. It's clearly not working. Everything, you know, Seth said. So, you know, maybe you do need to bring in a guy that can command that respect from Trey to get Trey to do it. You know, I think this team's actually really missing a, uh, honestly, they're just missing a good vet, you know, to really just be able to slap everybody around. They need Charles Oakley. <laughs> or, or or something of that type, right? And and he's and, still available to slap people around. I mean, I'm sure they could get him in the building. Oh yeah, no, no, no. You can you can pay for it on cameo. Um, bad joke, Charles Oakley. If you listen, please don't come after me. Seth said it. Um, the uh, but it's it's but along those lines, they need a vet presence there. Gallinari's not that guy. Lou Williams is not that guy. They need the guy there that's going to say what needs to be said. That's going to command the respect of everybody. And they don't have that. And and, and I just. It's such a weird season for how it went for them so far. It, it's been odd. Collins is willing to 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 say it, but he probably doesn't quite have the stature to make it stick. 
one quick thing before we move on from Atlanta, bringing up that Trey Young coming down the floor and pulling up thing. This is just something I was just asking Ime Odoka about because I've seen Jason Tatum do it a bunch. Is a lot of players, I guess star players, when they bring the ball down the floor, the defense sags off them a little bit. They love to launch. And I'm curious, Seth and, and Mo too, I guess if I have to hear what Mo has to say about this, what do you think of guys taking those shots, thinking that they're good open shots if it's kind of just like a wasting a possession to a degree kind of shot? I think that it's probably more frustrating if the guy taking the shot is a passenger on defense. Like if Jason Tatum D's his guy up, like blocks blocks the layup at the rim, gets the rebound, dribbles on the floor, and decides he wants to pull up, okay, maybe you earn that. But I think we've we've probably seen the highlights of Trey kind of no efforting on defense this year. And I think that's the part that's frustrating is like we just busted our ass for 20 seconds rotating, covering for you, and you're going to come down and do that in four seconds, and now we've got to run back and do it again. Like that's that's the part that really exacerbates the frustration. And I think – so I think that a guy who is more of a two-way player probably has a little more a little more equity with his teammates for that. But you don't you, – you, you can only take that so far. It's, if you're going to do it, you better be a guy like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard. In, in, in that sense, too, where if even if you're not a two way guy, but like if you're going to do it, you better have the cachet. Steph Curry is the all time three point shooter in the league. You know, he could shoot from anywhere and you're just going to say, OK, you know, Dame has a history of making those shots in, in that. Stuff. And so does so does Trey. But, you not, know, not to the same extent. Is, right. Right. I mean. Dame sent a team home and broke up a team off of that in a playoff series. You know, it's, it's, it's along those lines. It's, it goes back to something Quinn Snyder used to say about the jazz. And it's like, I need the ball moving. So I keep everybody engaged on the defensive end. You're more interested in playing defense. If you're getting touches on the other, you're getting the feel of the ball and things like that. And every time they do that, that's a missed opportunity, right? And I hate any offensive possession make or miss when the ball is in one player's hands the entire time, you know, and, and, and even if they get a good shot out of it, right. And, and they dribble the air out of it for 20 seconds. You didn't put any pressure on the defense. You didn't really incorporate your teammates. That's one possession where you did all the work and now your other teammates are like, well, shoot, if he gets the ball again, like I'm just chilling. And, and it kind of just naturally develops into that. And I think that's an important thing there. And those shots, they can be deflating. For everything Seth said, you get a stop on one end, and you know this is the shot we get. Always brutal. I like how I made fun of Mo before, and then he goes into this beautiful monologue that incorporates every single element of the question I was hoping for. This guy's a pro. All right, let's finish with. I'm uh, a professional. Okay, Jared. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'm a pro. (laughs) I'm just trying to live in your honor. Okay, uh, let's get to the last pair of teams here. We had on Wednesday the Clippers and the Nuggets have an overtime thriller that ended with Nikola Jokic getting double teamed and somehow throwing a cross court pass to Aaron Gordon in the corner who buried the three. That was a clincher for them. Uh, Nikola Jokic had a 49 point triple double, which somehow doesn't seem insane because it's Nikola Jokic. And so these are, Seth, you wanted to talk about these two teams because they're kind of in this weird limbo. They have stars that are out. Uh, and in uh, Denver's case seems a lot, actually, no, I guess it's pretty concerning in both cases. But let's start with Denver. 
how has Denver evolved without Jamal Murray and without Michael Porter Jr.? And I guess what what do you think is their destination as this team kind of continues to figure out how to work without those guys? I mean, the the team is just it's it's limited without them, and and they they're dangerous on any given night because Jokic is that good. But Jokic has to be that good, and so when we talk about limbo, it's like this is a, this is a team that's going to win some games and make the playoffs and probably win a playoff game or two, maybe even sneak out a series win. But they're not. We, I mean, we saw it in the second round last year when it was like they okay they had a a, a nice first round win and then it's just oh we just don't have we don't we don't have enough to compete here. Um, and that's and that's a weird spot to be, especially when you have, you know, a guy who's on the short list of the very best players in the league right now. Like you want it like there's a four or five person list. Jokic is on there. It's high on that list. But you're still just kind of don't have enough around him, even though you have some you, you like some of the other pieces. You know, you, Aaron Gordon has, has been very good for them. Um, since since he came over, especially when he was in the role he should be playing, and you've got a number of you know interesting guards, and and you just but without especially Jamal Murray, you just don't have enough. I mean, it took Jokic having that forty nine point triple double to beat the uh, uh, Clippers in overtime, right? And a, a very depleted Clippers team as well. So it's to Seth's point, like Jokic has to go to superhuman levels to fall short. Like they're not going to, it's just, they don't have the the firepower to win a, a championship with all that. The stuff they're taking away from though, this is one of those years, I think they get an opportunity to just look at everybody and see who, who is our guys for next season. You know, get, you know, I, I, I still wish they would give uh bones Highland more minutes. You can shake your heads. I no, just I, like no, saying I, you, you'll be, I, I, no, it's this, like obvious. This is this is uh, this, I, this is a you know this is a Bones fan podcast. Obviously, yeah. I mean, I just like saying the name Bones. Yeah. That's a hell of a name. Um, yeah, we're titling this the Boneyard episode. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Plain and simple. Um, and, and, and but it's a, in the sense of they went into this year with with lower expectations, just with Jamal Murray, and then Michael Porter Jr. goes out. All the injuries that they've had. It's not just been those two guys, right? It felt like there was a run early in the season where it was like when the Nuggets played a game, somebody was going down and, 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 you know, knock on wood, hopefully they're over that, but it's, it's a, what's, what's promising about it is you're seeing this success right now with the way this team is. And you're just thinking like, man, if we get our pieces together next season, like we're really going to be something, you know, Seth touched on Aaron Gordon, finally playing the role he should be playing it. You know, it's 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 been awesome for them. And I think they're just getting a lot of good stuff out of this. I think they're getting a lot of good institutional knowledge of just learning about themselves in a way. Um, and, and, and as a front office, you get to kind of evaluate it and, and look at it going like, all right, well, these these are areas we still need to fix and, and, and improve on. Um, how do we go about that? Mo, let me ask you. Um, and this is maybe as even more applicable to the clips, given that, you know, Kawhi's been out all year and Paul George has been, you know, suffering this a very strange, like the UCL is not a normal basketball injury. And then for folks who don't know this, that's like players get Tommy John surgery and miss a year. If like a baseball pitcher gets, 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 gets a UCLA, UCL, UCL, not UCLA uh, injury. No, screw UCLA. This yeah. is a UCLA yeah, so is, yeah. n- hateful podcast. Oh, we don't enough. talk about that school on the sorry, other sorry, way. Sorry. My bad. Um, 
But were any of the teams that you were with, was it just kind of we, we ever like it's just not happening this year because our main guys are out or or it's not working? Have you ever been on a on a team where it's like, you know, you're good, but it's just not this year and how you manage that season? It was it's it's really interesting. The uh, my first year in San Antonio, you know, was the year we traded for Richard Jefferson at the draft or right around that time. And the expectations literally right after that trade was, yo, you're going to go win a championship. Like the Spurs are going to go win a championship now that they have Richard Jefferson. Perfect, please, blah, 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 all that stuff. Like I was leaving the Clippers and like people were like, yeah, man, you're going to you're going to come back with a ring. You know, like that was the level we're at. And it just we just couldn't figure out for, figure it out for like two thirds of the season, and we ended up finishing I think six that season. One of one the 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 first round matchup against the Mavs um, and things like that. But you can just we just couldn't get it right, you know, and things just didn't click well. There was a lot of frustration, you know. I remember being in in in, in the video room and talking with the. Uh, um, James Borrego and, 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 and Chip England, uh, 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 you know, we we're just after a loss and we we're just like, what the hell's wrong with this team? You know, and we just couldn't really pinpoint it, you know, because all the pieces were there and it just didn't seem to click yet. And, you know, obviously the next season it did, you know, it clicked. We were the number one seed. Of course, we got beat by Memphis. I tried to block that from memory. Um, but the that. uh that season was really eye-opening to me where it's like, it's not just plug and play, you know, put all these guys here and then go, you know, it, it was, it was along the lines of like, there's a lot of work that comes with it. And it took us, I mean, it took them a year to really figure it out. And they got a great shooting year from Richard Jefferson the following year. The first year was a lot of frustration and I felt bad for RJ. Like he was frustrated, you know, he came in and this is, he's supposed to be the missing piece and it, it, it just didn't click. It's it, it, it tends to happen. And then, you know, Pop's got to do a good job there managing it, you know, and, 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 and keeping everybody in line and staying with the system and stuff like that. Like it was a pretty it was a pretty tough year. So is that like what can a team do to just like to avoid, like the frustration is just going to be there? Like I, I feel like the Clippers, you know, they knew this year was maybe going to be tough. And but we, we keep the you know, we keep the, the, the ship above water until until Kawhi comes back and they've still kind of done that, but it's, it's just, they, you know, it's just been sort of one thing after another for them in terms of being snake bit with injuries. Like, how do you, like, it's a long season. How do you get through that and like not lose your mind as a veteran team? I think, I think the first starting point is the coaching staff's got to bring the energy and make it so that nobody feels sorry for themselves. Right. for the team, right? Like, Oh, well we suck. We're going to, you know, you got to come in with, we're going to continue doing our, our stuff. You know, the uh, uh, Memphis is an example, right? A team that's kind of, even when they weren't winning games, they were building championship habits, right? Along those lines. And it's, and that's what you're selling to these guys. Listen, like, I know we're, we're really struggling this season. You go in the, you're Ty Lue, you go, guys, we were out all these guys and we just barely lost this game against Denver. You know, it's 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 hard to spin that in the moment, but you're just looking at going like, look how close we are. We're right there and we don't even have our two top guys like stay with the system. You got to kind of keep it as, as a coaching staff. You just got to keep it on the positive side, I think. And you got to kind of you don't want to dwell on the bad stuff. Right. Because there's nothing you can do about the injuries. Right. 
You know, <laughs> you can't fix it. <laughs> so you just you just kind of keep going, start focusing on the development of guys and making guys better and 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 things like that. I think it's just you got to just it's hard as hell to stay positive because I've been on some terrible Clipper teams before I went to San Antonio. And it was, you know, we it, it was very hard to stay positive. But, you know, it, 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 it the players will react to how the coaching staff, the energy the coaching staff brings to the table. And I think it starts there. You know, and, and, and not even the front office because the front office guys don't see them day to day. It's the coaching staff. It's the training staff. It's the video guy. It's the energy, the player development guys. It's the, their energy is kind of what's going to try to at least carry them going. Also, you want to see 12 NBA players uh, or, or however many, like how a roster full of NBA players roll their eyes in unison is get a front office guy to give a rah-rah speech. When, when things aren't going well, <laughs> it's like, oh, this, the suits are here. Um, so, yeah, I think I agree with you that it, that it has to be someone who's kind of in there day to day with the team on the plane, on the bus, in the hotel, at shoot around. Um, and, and, and otherwise it can otherwise it can it can, you know, and it doesn't seem like it's it has from everything we've seen. It hasn't turned toxic in L.A. in that half of L.A. And so that's I think that's a credit to, to Ty Lue and the coaching staff. No, you can see these guys like playing with each other. You know, there's a lot of excitement. You know, they're playing the young guys. You know, uh, Brandon Boston's getting minutes. Uh, Amir Coffey's getting minutes. And, like, there's genuine excitement from the bench when those guys do stuff. You know, like, I actually, they have, you, you, you like to refer to it as, as Mo, as momentum and energy. You know, they have so much better team Mo then the team across the hall and 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 the team across the hall has a better record i think i mean at this point it's really close but you know, they have, slightly ahead they have they have the they have the better you know they have the more talent less injuries and things like that like but this other team has the momentum and 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 the energy that that you would want and i think that would go a long way in that sense so i think that's kind of the thing like when we look at for me when i look at the nuggets and the uh, clippers I look at it as just these are two teams that knew going into the season it was going to be an uphill climb and, you know, they're relishing in it and they're getting the most out of it than any other team right now. Well, that episode was an uphill climb, but I relished it, boys. That's Mo DeKeel, Seth Partno, Jared Weiss. We'll see you next time here on The Athletic NBA Show. Nerd or